welcome back to another edition of Sanctified Reason. Sanctified Reason is where we take a look at the things of this world through a biblical perspective and try to make sense of what is going on through what the Bible has to say versus the worldview that we might hear from other sources. And Dan Delzell is with me. I'm Son Edom. And, and Dan, you know, one of the things that I think we've kind of touched on over the last few weeks and maybe last six months with all the coronavirus uh, stuff that's been going on and, and the political nature of the country for the last few months, you know, it's been that question of how can somebody, and let's just use a Christian for an example, because as a Christian, we have the Bible and the Bible gives us direction and guidance and basically tells us how we should be living our lives. And so it's kind of like a, a rule book for lack of a better term. Let's just go with that for this analogy. And so we've got this set of standards that we will subscribe to if we believe that we are Christ-like and we're Christ followers. So we're going to say what the Bible tells us to do because that's what we believe and that's the standard that we should live by. Just like we have a constitution for government, just like we might have some uh, some rules if we go to a classroom and we sit in a classroom, teacher has rules, you know. so we have the Bible to guide us. But oftentimes we will see people or we'll hear stories or we'll witness things of people that supposedly believe what the Bible has to say and the Bible is true. And it goes contrary to what the Bible has to say. And it's almost like they're like blinded, so to speak, because they should know the truth because they've said they read the Bible, but yet their actions or what they do or what they say is is blinded. And it's almost like they've lost their way and they don't have the vision and they can't find their way back. And so I thought that might be something that maybe we could touch on is, is how is it that we go from someone who believes the Bible and then kind of loses his way or her way and then starts to kind of deny certain parts for another reason, you know? And then, of course, those that don't believe, obviously, there's an issue there about how come they don't want to believe what's in the Bible. So it's almost like, you know, why is it that our vision of what God has to say and what the Bible has to say is kind of taken from us, and how is that uh, possible, and maybe what are some of the things that cause that that we can maybe dissect and take a look at here today? Yeah, I think that's an excellent uh, an excellent topic to, to dive into, Sam, because it really does affect all of us, whether, you know, a person's a believer or an unbeliever. As you just mentioned, you know, there there is that aspect in which if a person is an unbeliever, you know, the Bible tells us just, you know, flat out in Second Corinthians 4, verse 4, that the God of this age, small g, the God of this age, meaning Satan, uh, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. And, and so we're told there, son, that there is this powerful entity at work, this powerful being that was created by God as a holy angel originally. And then he rebelled. He was kicked out of heaven. In fact, Jesus even said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And, and so he became self-deceived. Uh, in fact, in Ezekiel, it says his heart became proud on account of his beauty. So if, if a person's trying to understand, well, why, why would he ever do that? How could he ever do that? Well, he, he became proud. He, he got tired, apparently, of worshiping God and wanted to be the object of worship himself. And, and so he became self-deceived, and then everybody knows the story of, of what happened there in the Garden of Eden and, and the serpent and, and, and how he came and, and tricked Adam and Eve. Um, but he's the great deceiver. Um, you know, he, the Bible refers to him as the father of lies. And, and so your question really goes to the heart of why does man uh, struggle with, with, with things that, you know, seem right to him? Uh, but but in God's sight, they're completely the opposite. You know, the Bible says there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. Now, how can that be? Um, you know, how can it be that somebody is going down a certain path, they're convinced it's right, but then they get to the end of that path and they find out, son, that um, they were on the wrong path. And, and, and so the Bible points to Satan as the great deceiver. Um, he's the one that blinds the minds of unbelievers, but also... He's working overtime on Christians, trying to trick us, trying to, to deceive us. You know, Paul even wrote about how, you know, we're not unaware of Satan's schemes. Um, so he's always scheming. And, uh, you know, the title of your podcast, Sanctified Reason, what, what that really is uh, addressing is the fact that um, a, a, a Christian can have the mind of Christ. That is to say, we can have 
spiritual insights through the Holy Spirit that we otherwise would not have regarding the world, uh, what's in the Bible, uh, Christianity, um, and and just everything else, you know, that we see around us. So um, it, it's kind of a mystery, uh, you know, to answer your question, how is it that, that it can happen? But we know that it happens. We know that people become uh, deceived. We know that people believe lies. Um, in, in the book of Romans, it says, you know, uh, you know, centuries ago, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And, and this, of course, is what Adam and Eve did. Uh, and I'm sure every one of us today, son, and, uh, you know, you and I and all of our listeners here, you know, um, everyone listening to your podcast today, um, I, I'm sure can think of a time where, you know, I can remember when, when I believed something that wasn't true. Um, and, you know, it's very likely that in that situation, you know, Satan may very well have been involved. And that includes, because one of the areas I think that we kind of miss out on, or we have to be extra cautious about, and I know a lot of people don't like to be challenged. I mean, we see it today in society. You challenge the establishment, you get banned off of Twitter, you get banned off of social media, you get ostracized, you lose your job. So people don't like to be questioned. But in the church, in the church itself, there seems to be, we just accept because God says. And I've seen it. I grew up in the church. I've watched plenty, more than plenty of religious television, a lot of times for entertainment purposes, not theological purposes, but I've seen it. You know, you throw God out there and people just automatically assume it's, it's, it's right. You know, if you give me a thousand dollars, God will give you $10,000 type of thing. And we've right. talked about it. And, and people say, Oh yeah, God said, yeah. they said God said, and so it must be true. And so, yeah. you know, so, the church, I think, and people will listen to the influences of people in the church and I think just automatically accept whatever it is that is being said as, okay, that must be what God wants because this pastor or this person or this, you know, uh, person that has a ministry is telling us this. Whereas in the, you know, if we're not in the church and we hear other things, we might be a little bit more skeptical. Oh, really? I don't think that's, yeah. that's right. I don't think that's really true. Um, yeah. And so, yeah. again, we like to look at the obvious, okay? If someone comes to us and says that, hey, let's go rob a bank, we're going to automatically think, no, that's probably wrong. We should not do that. But if someone says, you know, like, a, like the analogy, hey, if you give me $1,000, God will give, me, give you 10000 back, we're, we we're, we don't question it. We tend to believe, okay, they're a pastor, they're someone possibly in theological authority over me, so I'm just going to accept it instead of challenging it and questioning it and searching the Bible for it. It's a simple analogy, but I think we have to be careful because a lot of times we do, Satan uses the church. The church is not immune to being used by Satan to blind us. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something yeah, that we no, kind of you know, miss no out on. There's no doubt about that, Ron. Yeah, there, there's no doubt about it. And, and you know, as, as you're talking, I'm thinking of like, for example, the New Age movement, where um, the heart of the New Age movement is that, you know, everyone has at least a spark of the divine within them. Well, this is a lie from the pit of hell. Um, we do not have the divine within us until, well, I should really say unless, and then until Jesus comes to live within us, because he is divine along with the Father and the Holy Spirit. What the New Age movement seeks to, to, to bring to a person is this false idea that, that you can be like God. Uh, and this was the lie that, that uh, you know, uh, the serpent uh, presented to uh, Adam and Eve, you know, when he, when he was, you know, suggesting to Eve that, well, you know, God just doesn't want you to, uh, you know, to, to, to know too much and, and be like him. And, and yet we find many people falling for that today, this lie. And, and so um, the, the, the thing that God's given us, though, to overcome that is something objective, and that is the Word of God, um, because the Word of God is, is what cuts through and, and it exposes um, what, is, what is false. It exposes the lie. And, you know, you mentioned some about like, you know, just like, you know, Christian television. And, and there are plenty of examples on certain, you know, so-called Christian television stations where, you know, they've got maybe uh, like you gave the example of people, you know, uh, you know, preaching the prosperity message and sow a seed in our ministry. And, and, and it just all uh, is driven by greed and, and just unbiblical ideas. You know, you know, the, the Bible does not teach give so you can get to keep for yourself. I mean, there is a biblical principle about, 
uh, about giving to God and then he'll continue to use you and, and he'll, he, you know, he, he blesses people to continue to be a blessing. But especially when we get into the New Testament, it, it's been, it's never about, well, give so you can become rich and fulfill all your, your, your uh, fleshly, materialistic lusts and desires. I mean, that's the last thing Jesus you know, what once for a person where they start to get obsessed on material things. And yet these prosperity preachers with their mansions and Rolls Royces and private jets. And it's like, well, you know, you can be just like me if you send $10 or $20 to my ministry. I mean, I mean, you know, it might as well just be, you know, having Satan himself up there, you know, giving the message because uh, it sure seems biblically like that's what Satan would want people to believe, you know, give money to this or that. So you can become rich. So you can become, uh, you know, uh, materialistic and, and have uh, a bigger house, a bigger car, maybe a jet, whatever. Um, so, so that's just one of many examples of the lies that, that Satan tells. And, you know, while, while we're on that topic of riches, I mean, Jesus is very clear. You know, you cannot serve both God and money. Uh, the Bible warns that everyone who wants to get rich falls into temptation and a trap. And, and so the fact that these, these, uh, you know, preachers stand up there and shamelessly, um, present this, this message that is luring people. It's, it's, they're seducing people with the lure of, of, of riches. I mean, what could be almost further from, uh, you know, the, the, the biblical gospel? Uh, so, um, you know, we have to, we have to do what the Bible says, don't we? And that is test the spirits. Uh, and as you say, son, it's not just because it's on a Christian, uh, station. Um, and, and that's what really gets, uh, you know, tricky too, because, you know, you'll have, you know, you'll have, different people on some of these stations with their own program, like a, a David Jeremiah or a Charles Stanley, you know, uh, a D James Kennedy before he went home to he- you know, heaven, um, you know, uh, maybe a Billy Graham, you know, program, you know, so you, you've got some very reputable and solid Bible teachers. Um, but then the, a lot of these networks, so then they mix them with, with, with some of these other ones that are just, it's just spiritual junk and counterfeit messages. And, and, and so, you know, you really do have to have your spiritual antennas up and you got you to gotta compare everything with the word of God and not just assume, well, you know, it's coming from a quote unquote Christian station. So it must be true. You know, Dan, you've uh, written articles on a lot of things and uh, some articles have uh, touched on this very thing. You know, there's one on, you can find articles on the Christian com, but you write in the in one article that um, that talks about maybe the, the symptoms of Satan blinding our minds. And you write, Satan hates you and wants to see you suffer. And that's one of the things that people, I guess, really need to understand is because it's it's like when you talk to people and they're opposed to God, they're offended by God, they want to party down in hell, they want to have their good time, you know, but what they don't realize is the very person that they're aligning themselves to hates them and wants to destroy them. It's almost like, you know, it's almost like the gang. You think about a gang mentality and it's brotherhood, it's family. We're in it together, but yet they're also going after each other, trying to destroy each other because there's the power. The next person wants to take over, be the shot caller, whatever the case may be. And so they don't realize that the one person they're aligning with is the very person, the very entity that is really trying to destroy them and take them down. And that's very dangerous for people not to realize that because they're making decisions based on something that they think is going to be good. It's kind of like the, you know, I think about it when, you know, uh, Satan approaches or the, you know, the serpent approaches Eve in the garden and it's the most beautiful thing. You know, we can't think of serpents as beautiful. You know, I think of Jafar at the end of Aladdin, this big ugly snake thing, you know, going after them. Right. And, and right. Yet it was the most beautiful creature. And then the subtlety of it, you know, the subtlety of, hey, doesn't that fruit look good? Doesn't yeah. that, hey, why, why can't you be like God? You know, and it's the subtleties. Right. It's the subtleties. And it's like, you know, one of the things that I know I've said this analogy before is when I worked with uh, Frank Sontag show, it was a Christian talk mm-hmm. show. We would ask, are there more, more than one ways to get to heaven? Because the Bible specifically says, you know, Jesus yeah. says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. One way. Right. And so right. then we'll ask people who are, again, lifelong Christians, Bible believers, and they'll say, oh, my good works will get me into heaven. And that's like one of the, the subtleties of that blindness is it doesn't have to be grandiose. It could be something as simple as believing that your good works will get you to heaven and that Jesus isn't the only way. It's the, it's the subtlety of a guy who is, or an entity that is going about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, Satan, 
but he's doing it in such a subtle way, kind of like the lion, you know, prancing right before he attacks. It's like this graceful, you know, creature, this cat going through the jungle, the African jungle, and then all of a sudden it attacks. And so it's like, and that's, and that's the, the thing that we don't understand is we get blinded by the simplest things and those simplest, easy, subtle things can then cause a great divide between us and God. Well, they, they definitely do, son, don't they? And, you know, you point out the, the one lie that keeps a person out of the kingdom of God. You know, I was thinking as you were sharing that about, you know, the movie The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, um, and, and the book, of course, but, uh, but then the movie, and written, of course, by C.S. Lewis. But I'm just thinking back to that movie of how, you know, the kids there in that, uh, in that home where they uh, one by one seem to discover that wardrobe, that that uh, that uh, coat, coat uh, closet, or whatever you know, there in the one room where you have to go through the wardrobe um, before you enter into Narnia, and and so it was all um, symbolic of of how a person enters the Christian life, and and there in the you know in Narnia, you know, no, notice the battles that you you start to encounter with the, the White Witch. Um, you know, wait, before you get to Narnia, you're not even in God's kingdom. And, and this is, this is such a misconception sound that so many people have. I mean, if you ask people, well, you know, is everyone a child of God? You know, a lot of people say, well, sure, we're all children of God. Well, you know, not, not in the literal sense of that, not, not in the biblical sense. Um, we are not children of God by nature, because if we were, Jesus would never have said, you must be born again. So we have to be born into the family. Uh, we have to be redeemed. We have to be converted, justified, saved, um, born again, you know, through faith in, in Christ alone. And, and so that's symbolic of going through the wardrobe. But, but my point is um, that lie that you can somehow earn your way to heaven, that keeps people out of the kingdom. It keeps them under Satan's thumb. Uh, it, it, it keeps them in spiritual darkness. Um, it's the greatest lie of, of all time because it's the one thing that keeps the person con- uh, disconnected from their creator, uh, because as it says in Hebrews eleven six, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So, you know, no one can please God without coming to Christ through faith. It's just impossible, given our, our sinful nature. And, and there are so many other lies that Satan tells. Um, I mean, there are lies that he tells to Christians. There are lies that he tells, for example, about the nature of God. You know, we, we, we have some religious groups that reject the doctrine of the Trinity. Well, that's a lie from Satan uh, uh, to, to say that the Trinity is not a biblical doctrine. Uh, even though that word Trinity is not found in the Bible, the Bible clearly teaches that God consists of three persons in one God, and they all are eternally existent. Um, they've all existed forever and will exist forever. And, and so the doctrine of the Trinity is, is at the bedrock of our Christian faith. And yet Satan lies about it. And, and, and then you've got, you know, these religious groups that deny it because they've been told by their leaders that, that, that it's not true. And who do you suppose told their leaders? Well, uh, of course, it was, you know, it was Lucifer uh, lying to them about the nature of God. So um, there are lies, you know, all around from Satan. But the biggest lie is that is that a person can somehow earn their way to heaven. And, and you know, you can you can strive for that every day of your life only to wind up terribly, terribly uh, disappointed and horrified when you come to find out. You mean, you mean it was a gift? You mean I could have received it? You mean I could have, I could have entered God's kingdom by faith? But, but Satan wants to keep a person away from that one door. Uh, and it's interesting because in that, in that movie, there was only one wardrobe. And, and just like there was only one door onto the ark in Noah's day, Jesus said, I am the door. Whoever enters through me will be saved. And so I mentioned the New Age movement. There are various religions. You know, there is you know, Hinduism, there's Islam, there's um, you know, all sorts of uh, you know, Buddhism. Um, you know, different different uh, faith systems, or belief systems. But there's only one spiritual door that enters into eternity and paradise. And this is a hard pill for a lot of people to swallow. Natural man doesn't get it. Natural man rejects it. People sometimes hate it. Um, they hate to hear that, that, you know, it sounds too exclusive. Well, you know, Jesus, Jesus came to save us. If it, if it hadn't been for Jesus, son, none of us would be saved. So, uh, at least there's one door, you know, uh, but the, the others are, are not going to give a person what they long for. Um, I mean, assuming they long for, you know, going to heaven, I think most people do probably, 
but uh, those doors cannot provide it. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Yeah, that's the one thing that I don't think people realize is that Satan can use Scripture or the distortion of Scripture to confuse and blind people. You know, we've seen it, like you've mentioned, you know, people, good deeds, you know, good deeds. People actually do believe their good deeds can get them into heaven when the Bible specifically talks about it can't. Uh, right. You know, they, they, they deny things like the Trinity, even though the Bible talks about it. They deny the fact that Jesus died on the cross to save us from our sins, and that's the only way to heaven. They deny that. Uh, they deny the overwhelming physical and historical, take out the Bible, but the physical and historical evidence of Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross. And you throw the Bible evidence in there as well, and most scholars will believe that Jesus was an actual historical being. The argument becomes the theology behind it, but then people will still deny that. And so it's like, we got to be careful because Satan can even use the distortion of Scripture to blind us. And if we're not cautious, if we're not steadfast and we're not checking the book and making sure what we're hearing lines with the book, the Bible, and um, we can be easily deceived because we are in such a, a fallible state as people. And, and even now, I mean, I think back over the last year and we had the virus, you know, about a year ago now, almost uh, pop up as uh, as uh, on the front pages, you know, the headlines. And right. we've gone from, okay, don't worry about it. It's going to be okay. It'll probably be like the seasonal flu. Then it went to, uh, you know, wash your hands and keep your distance. And then it went to, okay, you should, you know, stay at home, locked down. Yeah. Then it went right. to, okay, we're going to open up a little bit, but you need to wear a mask. Then it was, yeah. okay, we got locked back down again, at least in California. Um, and then it yeah. was, now we're like double masking, we're vaccinating, we're six feeding, uh, you know, we're doing all this stuff. And it's like, right. okay, science can't even get this right as far as no. recommending to us what we should do. And so, but yet these are the people that we are relying on. These are the people that we think, okay, they know what's going on because they have a PhD or a DR in front of their name, doctor. Right. But yet... Jesus, who created all of this, we don't want to go to him and we don't want to listen to what he has to say. We don't want the God, the creator of this world who knows everything, knows our future. We want to reject that and yet believe these fallible people that can't even get it right. And I'm not knocking them because it is a a unique thing that we're going through, but it's they're they're changing their mind all the time and they're coming out with new recommendations all the time. So they don't have a mastery of what is going on. They're just throwing out information as they discover it. And so we want to believe them and have faith in them, these fallible people that really don't know what's going on, but they're trying their best possibly to to give us the best advice. And yet we refuse the creator and the maker of all of us. It's just astounding. I mean, I do it too at times in in things that I do, but, but there are people whose lives are lived rejecting the creator of all this. And it's just amazing how Satan uses that. Well, it is, son, and I think the the example you just gave, I think we can use here for a moment to help listeners clearly see um, just a, a very uh, easy example of what it means that Satan blinds the minds of people and confuses people. And so let, let's start with that example you gave of like, you know, with COVID and then the scientific approaches with masks or vaccines, you know, okay, if we were to say to somebody, well, this scientist over here says, that uh, masks do more harm than good. And this scientist over here says that, that masks absolutely are needed, okay? Um, could we agree that they can't both be right? I mean, while we might not ever know which one for sure was right uh, until we get, you know, get to heaven, you know, until believers get to heaven, if we ask God about that one, but could we at least agree in principle that, that they can't both be right? I think most people, Sean, would be able to say, yeah, you know, that makes sense. I mean, I'm not sure which one of them is, or, you know, somebody might say, well, I, I know he's right, or I know she's right, or whatever. But um, so I think most people could grasp that concept, that if you have contradictory, um, you know, uh, statements there, contradictory opinions um, that are both being, you know, presented as, let's say, factual and scientific, they can't both be right. But now we move into the spiritual realm, Fon, and, and, and you know, you, you, you have people look at the various religions. 
And and you look at these religions, for example, like with Islam, you know, the, you know, the five pillars of Islam. So these things you have to do, you know, or, or like, say, with, with just Judaism, you know, the things you have to do to obey the law. Um, I mean, you, you look at really every other religion other than Christianity, the things you have to do to kind of earn your way. And then you've got Christianity and, and Jesus comes along and presents eternal life, not as something you can earn, but as a free gift. And, and then you say to people, well, do you see where they can't both be true? Um, and, and people just kind of, you know, who, who can understand that when it comes to, you know, COVID and vaccines. But they know, you know, I think everybody can have their own truth. I think everybody, you know, I, I think the Muslims and Hindus and Buddhists and, and Christians can all be right. They can all have their own God or God uh, and all be right. Well, it doesn't make any sense, does it? And, and because, because these are contradictory views. You can't be saved both by grace through faith apart from work, while at the same time, be, be saved uh, as you earn your way. Those are contradictory uh, statements, contradictory approaches, and yet man, because he has been deceived by Satan, um, he doesn't want to go there. He, he, you know, it doesn't feel right to him that anybody should be wrong as long as they're sincere uh, with their faith. And I get that. I mean, I know we all have you know emotional attachments uh, to, to some of these things, and and um, maybe a way we would like it to be, but it's just really ironic that when, while, while man can, can see clearly the contradictory statements by scientists when it deals with COVID, um, he seems to have a very, very hard time uh, accepting the fact that there, there is an absolute way to truth. And, and this just really goes back on to the, the age in which we live. You know, so many young people have been preached to them in schools from the time they've been very young that there are no absolutes. There are no absolutes. Now, now they don't teach that when it comes to like, you know, the way you should, you know, lay a foundation for a home or the way you should, you know, conduct brain surgery or, or, or the way you should teach, you know, what two plus two equals. Um, they, they, they kind of avoid that, you know, they, but, but when it comes to uh, faith matters, uh, especially it, it gets preached to people. There are no absolutes. There are no absolutes. And so this has been a lie from Satan to try to just get people into this mindset that everyone can have their own truth, and we won't we won't worry about something as as messy as logic. We won't worry about something as messy as well, but they contradict one another. We'll only do that when it comes to something really important like COVID. But when it comes to um, you know spirituality and things, um, we're not going to worry about that because what these Christians are saying, what the Bible is saying about heaven and hell, that can't be true anyway, so why should I worry about it? Well, that's the thing, too. I think the sanctified reason comes in. It's like, you know, we have, at least we hope, we have some sort of logic in us, reason, although I think history will reserve that judgment in this period of time of America down the road and let us know if we had logic and reason in dealing with things. But you think we'd have some sense, you know, of, okay, we can see the contradiction at least, you know, if anything. You know, like you said with the doctor analogy, this one says masks are good, this one says not necessary. We don't need them. They're bad. Okay, well, who's right, who's wrong? Maybe we don't know, but we do realize or at least recognize there is a difference. Okay, and then maybe that would want us to, you know, spur on us to check out more information and research and find out because, you know, our health, our health matters, you know. And so now if yeah. we have a divide in, in, a, in a spiritual ideology, a theology, where we hear this and that, and it's opposite, you think we'd be able to recognize that, okay, there is a difference. Let me investigate. Let me check it out. Let me find out for myself what's going yeah. on so that way I know. Because not only is our health, your health, it's your eternity is going to be affected yeah. by this, you know? And, and the, right. like you said, and the, and the subtlety, of what Satan does to just blind us from the truth. And that's his ultimate goal. It doesn't matter how he does it. He just wants to do it, blind you from the truth. You know, it's like, you know, yeah. we just got done with the Super Bowl and a football game is you want to take the ball and get to the end zone, score points. It doesn't matter if you run it. It doesn't matter if you pass it. It doesn't matter what you do. It's as long as you right. get there and you get those points and you have more points at the end of the game, you win. And that's like Satan. Yeah. All he wants to do is just blind us, blind us no matter how or however he can, doesn't matter. Yeah. He just wants to be able to blind us. And the only thing that people can do to be saved is to realize that Jesus died on the cross. His blood was shed. 
saved us from our sins. All we have to do is repent and confess and have faith and believe. And it's actually the simplest thing, although some people would argue, uh, which I which I have had engaging conversations with, that it's almost harder to believe in Jesus mm-hmm. than not to if you start to think about it. But the simplicity of it is that, yeah, all you have to do is have faith. That's the Maybe faith's hard. I don't know. But it's like a simple concept. It's like you don't have to do works. We don't have to do all these things to build up to our faith and to build up right. to our salvation and to stock away points and things like that. We just have to believe. And believe is is having a faith or a trust in something that we can't even see or prove, if that makes sense. You know, it's like we can't yeah. see God. I mean, we can prove he's here and we can prove his creation, but we can't see him. We can't We can't see the afterlife. We can't see heaven but we believe it's there. We may not have witnessed the actual crucifixion and people might point out the Bible is just another literary work, but we can right. believe that the Bible is true and therefore the events in the Bible are true. And so all we have to do yeah. is believe and it's nothing difficult, but yet that's the hardest thing for people to do is to just take on faith that Jesus yeah. died on the cross. And that's, I think Satan uses that, you know, he uses that for a lot of different things because we as a society, I think we want to do it ourselves. You know, we think yeah. that our good deeds are going to outweigh our bad deeds. Okay. We do some bad things. And I think there might even be some, you know, some churches, some, some faiths that believe that. Okay. Do some good works to make up for your bad deeds and you'll be okay. Right. Kind of, kind of, you know, balance the scales there a little bit, but that's not even possible, you know, and even, even the, the disciples, you know, I mean, I think of, of Peter, you know, Peter was with Jesus for all that time and then he denied him three times. Exactly. You know, and so we're going to have times where Satan does deceive us, even the strongest of Christians. But you can see how powerful he is because he made Peter, well, you know, he he was able to blind Peter into denying Jesus three times. And he was with Jesus for all that time. He even cut off off somebody's ear in defense of Jesus in the garden. That's how much of a staunch uh, supporter he was. And yet he turns around and denies them. And that's how subtle and how ferocious Satan can be when he deals with us. He just wants to harm us. Yeah, and and that that's that's a great point, Son. I mean, if people would just take that simple point and just think about the fact, you know, should I try to align myself with God and his ways uh, and, and believe that he and he loves me? Um, which we, of course, who know God, we know he loves us. But but even for the person who hasn't quite become convinced of that. You know, are you, are you willing to, to stake your soul and your life on someone who, you know, is, you know, you're being told he loves you? Or do you want to go with the one uh, who uh, ultimately, as, as you pointed out here in this podcast, on, who ultimately hates you? I mean, why would anyone want to go with Satan? Why would anyone want to go with his ways? Um, you know, no matter how sly he is, he ultimately is, is, is out to, to see you suffer, you know. And, 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 and while we've talked a lot here today about, um, you know, Satan's power of blinding people. The, the thing that I also come back to a lot in, in my thinking on this song is, is what it says in the Bible when we're told that the man without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they're spiritually discerned. So, so I ask myself, even if Satan really had very little, if any, role, w- would man then just immediately believe and, and I think we'd be hard-pressed biblically to say, yeah, man, man, they would just come running into the kingdom. Because without the Holy Spirit, son, you know, the Bible says no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus said flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to spirit. So it, it seems to be, you know, when we look at it biblically, it's a combination of not only is Satan blinding people, but at an even deeper level. You know, uh, because, you know, there aren't too many people, I don't believe, who are actually, you know, demon possessed who have the devil inside of them. But but there are there are, you know, millions, if not billions of people who have a, a void inside them that only God can fill the true God of the universe. Um, they don't yet have the Holy Spirit dwelling within them. So, so this ultimately is uh, a great distinction between those in God's family and those outside of God's family, and it's a, it completely refutes the, the New Age movement, um, but, but it, it's the simple fact that um, you do have the divine within you if you're a Christian, because God came to live within you when he converted your soul, when the Holy Spirit gave birth to your spirit, 
um, when you were saved, redeemed, justified, born again, and forgiven. Whereas the unbeliever hasn't had that happen yet. They're not yet converted. And so they don't have the Holy Spirit living within them. So, so this is why ultimately people don't believe because um, they're not following the lead of the Holy Spirit. I mean, think about what happened after Jesus' death and resurrection. What did they still need? They still needed the person and the power of the Holy Spirit to come in order for people to believe, to get it, and then to be empowered to go and tell others about it. So it seems to be, son, to me anyway, it seems biblically like it's this combination of, of, of Satan's blinding power, but also uh, just the simple fact that, that, that human beings um, have only been born one time if they're not believers. They haven't been born a second time. They don't have God dwelling within them. They don't have a spark of the divine within them. They have, they have, I mean, they're created in God's image. I mean, they, they are loved by God. Uh, they, they are capable of, of being indwelt by God. God made them that way so he could come and dwell within them. The, the Bible never says anywhere, even hints at the idea that God would ever indwell an animal, for example. I mean, the animals, you know, that were saved on Noah's Ark, uh, obviously were, um, you know, that was part of God's wonderful plan, and that's great, you know. And many people, you know, speculate that there'll be uh, animals in heaven. It's so great. But but nowhere does the Bible ever say that God uh, ever comes to live within an animal or that animals somehow sinned or that Jesus died on the cross for animals. You know, Jesus died for us, uh, for man, for we are sinful, but until we repent and believe the good news. Until we're converted by the power of the Holy Spirit, we do not have God dwelling within us. But then once we're saved, what's the Bible say? Um, the Bible says, don't you know that, that, that you yourselves um, are God's temple and that God's spirit lives within you? So, so this is a key distinction. And, and without the indwelling person of the Holy Spirit, there is no salvation. There's no way to understand the gospel. Um, there is no sanctified reason. And because it all begins there, it really a conversion. Um, it, when you're converted, you start to get it. Um, the disciples had to, had to be converted. Everyone's son has to be converted. Jesus told Nicodemus, that, that, that Pharisee who came to him at night, he said, you must be born again. So this was a clear message of Jesus. And, and notice what one thing Jesus didn't say. You know, and we're not told that he told Nicodemus, you need to stop believing Satan's lies. Now, that may have been true, you know, I mean, but, but, but there was also something else going on. He wasn't yet born again. And, and that's not all about just Satan blinding him. That's the fact that, that you know, he, he had not yet humbled himself and accepted Christ. Maybe he'd never heard, okay? Well, now's your opportunity. You know, the Messiah is standing right in front of you. So you got to make a choice and choose this day whom you will serve. But, but that is a very powerful dynamic in the lives of those who don't believe the fact that God is not yet within, not yet living in them, no matter what the New Age religion may, may attempt to convince them of through the lies of, of that particular uh, worldview and belief system. Do you think that the concept of religion, the idea of religion, gets in the way? Because you write, and I've heard you say it before too, is that you know we think of Christianity or Christianity is viewed as a religion, you know, which it is, but you write it's more of a relationship with God. So if we approached it as a relationship as opposed to a religion, the duty of it, because yeah. you think about, you know, think yeah. about the average person, you know, like I said, I've grown up in the church. I've been to, you know, mm -hmm. a gazillion services, the whole thing. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so I, I've witnessed those people that kind of get set in their ways. You know, I've done it too. Okay. It's Sunday morning. We get up, yeah. we go to church, we go to Sunday school, and then the service, and then we come home. And then we, you know, back in the old days, you go at night again on a Sunday night. And then there's midweek Bible study. And now we have Saturday right. night because Sunday morning's inconvenient. So we got to go Saturday night and we, we go through the rote, right. you know, you go through the rote. And, right. and even in some right. of the churches I've been through, you know, cause I've been to a lot of denominations and there's some denominations that are very, uh, you know, literary, uh, liturgically, driven where you right. literally sit there and you have everything memorized the lord's prayer yeah. the apostles creed and you're yeah. just saying it for rote and you go through the process yeah. and so we do that and then we think we're okay and, and maybe that is okay i don't know i guess each person would have to probably judge for themselves but yeah. then when you take it and you view it instead of a religion we look at it through the relationship aspect i yeah. think that changes things because 
if we compare ourselves to any relationship, a spouse, a family member, a boyfriend, girlfriend thing, um, you know, a mentor, a coach, player thing, if we were to treat God as we do, or if we were to treat these other people as we do God, basically put them in a cupboard and take them out when we need them, put them in the, you know, the lamp, rub them, the genie pops out when we need them. Um, you know, we would lose a lot of relationships. We'd have a lot of difficulties in our relationships, you know, because they need nurturing. They need that reinforcement of, you know, yes, we are a family. Yes, we're in love. Yes, we're friends. Yes, we're business partners, you know, was communication because you have to have growth without that growth. You wither on the vine and die. And so it just kind of seems to me that, you know, we often sometimes even get caught up and are blinded by the fact that religion we're 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 yeah. doing a religion you know we're we're doing a, a thing i have to go to church and that's great but yeah. Yeah. your emphasis on the have to do again a good deed going to church is going to pale in comparison to the fact of you know what i'm just going to be in communion with jesus i'm just going to live my life for him i'm just going to yeah. no matter what put my faith in him and i think a lot of times i see people and i've witnessed people that have come out of addiction and you know hard times and they have nothing. They've lost it all. You know, no job, homeless, maybe been in prison. They have nothing. The right. only thing they have is their dependence and reliance on Jesus. And they Amen. seem to be more yeah. in tune with that and like it's a passion for them because that's the only thing they have. Yeah. Our comforts keep us from having that only passion you know, because mm-hmm. that's what they see. You see it on their social medias. You see it wherever they go. They're always clinging to that rugged cross because that's the only yeah. thing they have where the rest of us, we have the luxuries of life. So sometimes we can, yeah. and I do it too. Yeah. I do it all the time. You know, I have the luxury of life and I'm going to get my genie and I'm going to rub the lamp and Jesus, I need you. Okay. Now go back into the cupboard and I'll call you next time. I'll got you on speed dial, but right. I'm living my life and I'm okay. It's almost like if we get back to that relationship thinking yeah. over the yeah. religion thinking, it might change mm-hmm. our dynamic. Oh, I tell you, son, I think you are really, putting your finger on, on something so critical here. And, and as you were speaking, um, one thing I thought of, um, and I've never really thought about it quite exactly in these terms, you know, um, but, but I have, uh, I was thinking about Adam and Eve, you know, and, and, and what they did when they, um, when they fell into sin, you know, prior to that son, they were in perfect harmony with God. They were in that relationship that you were just describing now, of maybe somebody who, who uh, was a, was an inmate or somebody coming out of addiction, but now it's like they, they, it's just all about Jesus, you know, and, and the passion and the fire and the love about, as you say, the relationship as compared with, Son, what, what, what religion tends to do with people is almost turn them into like, uh, and I, I'm thinking about a particular type of religion, and you mentioned, you know, just like the traditional kind of a way of just going through the motions. You, you almost become zombie-like, and, and here's the key thing, okay? Religion is all about what I'm doing, you know, for my higher power, okay? And, and here, here's a thought that I've never quite had exactly like this. I, I've, I've often referred to what Adam and Eve did on, you know, how they tried to cover their shameful nakedness because they were afraid of God, but I've never quite thought about it until you were speaking there from the standpoint of, you know, it seems like that was the very first religion ever. Um, it was a religion of fig leaves. And it was a religion that man uh, resorted to because he was out of relationship with God. Um, he, he was afraid of God. Uh, he had broken. Um, he had broken God's commands. And 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 all you can fall back on then, if you don't have that that solid relationship, is religion. And religion is all about doing things to try to cover myself with my religious deeds, or in the case of Adam and Eve, with their fig leaves, because they felt naked. And, and, and man feels spiritually naked, um, at least to the extent that I'm going to do a few religious things, jump through a few hoops. And as you say, son, it is, it, it's miles and miles away from a relationship. You know, when Jesus called those first disciples, he said, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Um, you know, so, so he called them into a relationship, a relationship with himself. Now, now, you know, um, even here, you know, Satan is very busy in our world today trying to confuse people, son, because, you know, if, if a person isn't careful, um, and if they're not taught, you know, the biblical gospel, okay, um, there are some, there are people in our world, son, who will who, be very quick to say, well, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus. 
but uh, but when you talk to them, it becomes quite apparent by the words of their mouth that they're not relying on his death for their for their salvation. They're trying to earn their way. So so what are they? They're very religious. They're very religious. Um, you know, the Holy Spirit, who I mentioned a moment ago, who comes to dwell within us, um, the, the Bible tells us that, that because of the Holy Spirit in us, um, we, we, we call out Abba Father. And, and Abba was an Aramaic term that little children would, would use for their, for their father. You know, today we think of the word daddy. It's a very tender, relational term between a little child and, and uh, his or her father. This is the type of tender relationship that the Holy Spirit enables us to have with God. And without the Holy Spirit, son, we would never have that. We, w- we would only be living in fear of God. We would only be feeling God's wrath. I mean, Martin Luther, for example, um, I mean, you know, he grew up as a, uh, you know, in the, in the Roman Catholic Church. He grew up, he became an Augustinian monk, um, but he had no peace with God. Uh, the more he jumped through religious hoops, he had no peace with God. Why? He wasn't converted. Well, he was, he was baptized as an infant. He went through all the church rituals. He did all these different things. He wasn't converted. All he, all he saw was the wrath of God. He didn't understand the gospel until God spoke to him uh, through, through the Bible. And, and one of the key verses, of course, was, was Romans 1.17, the just or the righteous shall live by faith. And Martin Luther writes about how it was like, you know, the whole thing just became clear to him. And he said it was like, I just, you know, entered into paradise, and I was born again. And and here's a guy who was so devout, uh, he was so religious, uh, just like Nicodemus, who came to Jesus, was no doubt very religious, okay? But, but here's the thing. No wonder Jesus said, unless you become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Because it's not about being religious. It's about coming to Jesus in faith, to the one who said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So, so a brilliant man like Martin Luther, he was not converted until he believed the gospel. And, and this is the difference. Son. So I think you're hitting the nail on the head there when you say that religion, and, and I'll just define religion this way. Religion is, is about do, 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 do this, do that. Um, Christianity is about done. It's about what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Now, once we're saved, sure, there's plenty of things to do. You know, the Bible says, you know, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Of course, once you're in the family, it, it, it's, it's very, very important that we do what God wants us to do, not in order to be saved, but because we've already been saved. And that's the key distinction. And that, by the way, son, is why uh, in recent years, you know, you know, the first question I'll ask if I start having a conversation with a Jehovah's Witness or a Mormon is, is I'll just very gently try to ask them, I'll say, hey, what, what did you receive on the front end? of your relationship with God. And they never know what to say. You know, they never know what to say because they're not taught, Son, that you receive salvation on the front end through faith. They're not. It's like a carrot on a stick. You strive, you strive, you strive, you work, you work, you work. And if you're faithful, then hopefully at the end you'll, you'll get, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll get salvation. But that's not, that's not biblical. That's not the gospel. Um, you know, that, that's not the right order of things. You know, and, and if you get that order wrong, um, you can, you can find yourself in hell for eternity rather than heaven. That's the sad and tragic reality. This is what Jesus taught, son, that, that you, can, you can be the most religious person. I mean, read, read, what, read what Paul writes about himself, how zealous he was as a Jew before he was converted. I mean, he was even hauling Christians off, off to chill. He was even hauling them off to be, um, you know, to be thrown in prison and, and, and to be harmed and so forth. And, and Paul was even there when the first Christian uh, was martyred. Stephen, Paul was there, you know, cheering it on, you know, so he was as religious as they get, you know, re- read his pedigree that he, he lists, you know, of all the things he did to be a devout Jew. And yet Paul said, I counted all for nothing. You know, uh, now it's all about Christ. He says, I've been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And, and this goes to that passion you were talking about about a moment ago, whether it be a, a former inmate or a current inmate or somebody coming out of addiction or, or just none, none of those things. Uh, anyway, any way you slice it, when a person is passionate about Jesus, you, you, you pick up something that you don't hear from, from somebody who's just barely religious. There's this passion for, for his love, his grace that has saved you. And I think sometimes people who have been as far from God as, say, Saul of Tarsus was before 
God called him to be the Apostle Paul. Or let's say maybe somebody who's in jail and then they get saved or deep in an addiction or whatever. You know, when you've got somebody who says, you know, I was this close. I was this close to not only losing my life, but losing my soul in hell. And the Lord rescued me. I mean, I mean, now we're talking about some, somebody here, son, who, who's excited because they see it. They see it. They're living it. And, and it's so different than somebody who's just jumping through the hoop. So if anybody is listening to this, son, and they say, you know, I may be more religious than really in a relationship with God. My friend, it doesn't have to remain that way. You know, you can call on the Lord today. You can, you can admit that to God today. Just say, Lord, I want the real deal. I don't want this fake fig leaf stuff. I don't want just the stuff that I bring to the table. I don't want to just keep jumping through these hoops. It, it bores me. It wears me out. There's nothing to it. There's no life in it, you know? And, and my friend, if you just call on, on the Lord today and admit that to him and admit your sin and trust him as your Savior and, and trust in his death, not your works, um, you'll be like those children in, in the uh, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe who, who go through um, that, that, that wardrobe in that one room into Narnia, and Narnia represents the Christian life. And, and, and so you're saved on the front end. What did you receive on the front end of your relationship with God? If a person doesn't know, then they haven't been taught the gospel. They haven't been taught the gospel. And, and so it's amazing to me, son, how many people have never been taught the gospel. It doesn't make them bad people. It doesn't make Christianity better than them. It just means they don't know it. And, and, and you're not saved apart from the gospel. There's only one gospel. And, and it's good news. But you've got to hear it. We've got to share it. And when we share it, when people believe it, they get saved. Yeah, Dan, you mentioned um, the zombies. It's almost like we need to check our faith. Is our Christian faith that of the walking dead? Or is it that, you know, of, of real life? And, you know, it's kind of like reminds me of something I heard one time. It's, you know, feel the real, the real Jesus, you know, the real salvation, you know, the real just feel the realness of it all because in the end, right. you know, that's what it's going to take. Um, and that's what exactly what it is, you know, the relationship thing. Um, you know, there was a, an article and I know you just, you just mentioned how people can, uh, become saved, you know, just mm-hmm. cry out to mm-hmm. Jesus. It doesn't even need right. the sinner's prayer. It doesn't need to be an altar call. It could just be you sitting right. there in your car, right. the stop sign, red right. light, whatever. But yeah. there are some people that I know that, Maybe they've really, like you mentioned, um, Paul, okay, killed Christians, did all this bad stuff, the worst of sinners, as he said. So there's people that have done some gnarly things, and maybe they can't get their mind around the fact that they can be redeemed, they can be saved. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. that mentality is out there. I'm just destined to be bad. I'm just destined to do this horrible yeah, stuff, yeah. and there's just no yeah. way out. Yeah. How could you address or maybe reach yeah. someone or at least give them a message of hope beyond the, you yeah. know, just call it to Jesus? Because they've gotten so far down that rabbit hole that just crying out to Jesus just doesn't make sense to them because they're so far gone. How can yeah, someone become, become that, yeah. you know, from Saul to Paul? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I tell you, Simon, it's a great question. And, and what it makes me think of is this. We've kind of come full circle today in terms of, you know, the lies that Satan tells. Because here again, son, um, we see that Satan is an opportunist. And he will take a person wherever they're at, and he'll try to exaggerate um, various points that, that are being impressed upon their heart. For example, um, the Pharisee, the, the religious uh, person who is so proud of his or her righteousness, he will fill them with so much pride in order to keep them from coming to Jesus because, you know, you can't come to the Lord. You can't know the Lord without humility. Okay. So he'll, he'll work on that and he'll, he'll try to just build it up. Uh, but now for the person you're describing, son, the person who is just so just, you know, they just beat themselves up. They feel so worthless. They feel so um, inadequate. They, 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 they're, they're worried that, you know, I don't think God, would even maybe want to forgive me. I don't think he could forgive what I've done. What I would say to that individual son is this. I would say, um, Satan is a liar. Satan wants to fill you with pride. And here's, here's pride. We think of pride as, oh, I'm so good. But here's another, here's another uh, form of pride. I'm so bad. Why is that a form of pride? Because notice the first word in it, I. It's about me. Okay, so if Satan can't get you, and he'll know, because he'll, he'll, he'll study you, he'll watch you, and he'll know that if he can't get you to be filled with how great you are, he will continually assault your mind 
with what a worm you are. And, and so just almost, it's almost impossible for God to ever accept you because of how terrible you've been. But notice this, my friend, it's a very subtle thing, but notice how, how that is just as much pride. You'll need to swallow that pride in order to come to Jesus. And what I mean by that is you'll need to let go of the idea and the lie that your sin is greater than his blood, that your transgressions are greater than his love, that, that, your, uh, that your faults are greater than his grace, okay? You'll need to let go of that and swap that idea, okay? The Bible says we, we, we can take every thought captive, and, and, and our mind is the battleground where these things are happening uh, in our mind. And, and, and so I would say to that person, son, who is struggling with that thought, you know, I, I don't know, I can never be forgiven. Uh, you know, I know a lot of times people will say, well, you just have to learn to forgive yourself. Well, um, you know, I'm not going to speak against that uh, approach, but what I will say is this. Um, it, it, it's, it, it's, it's not that exactly. Um, because you'll be, able to, you'll be able to get beyond it once you accept God's forgiveness of you. Okay, once you stop obsessing on it. Okay, so what do the Pharisees do? They obsess on their personal righteousness or what they perceive to be it. What, what does a person in this example obsess on? Oh, my, my personal wickedness. But, but, but why focus on, on, my, on my successes or my failures? Because neither one of them are going to get me to Jesus. Neither one of them are, gonna, are, are going to see my soul converted. If I just only obsess on that, Satan will use, he uses both of those signs, depending on the person's personality, uh, depending on maybe their life experiences. Uh, and let's face it, fine, it doesn't take much for us to think about, yeah, you know, I can think about people in life and some, they seem to be so assured of themselves and, and confident and they, they can get by without God. And then there's some other people, man, I mean, you, you, you hardly look at them and they just kind of wilt. They just, they, they don't. And I know the world says, well, they don't have any self-esteem or self-confidence. I guess I would say this, and that's probably true, but I would say um, the solution that, though, is not to try to fix their self-esteem because that's a dead-end street. That's a dead-end street. Um, because even if you were to somehow get that built back up, um, the minute somebody criticizes any of us, um, self-esteem is nowhere to be found to help us out. We, we, you know, so, I mean, there are all sorts of problems with self-esteem. What, is, what does Paul say? He said, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And one of the beautiful things about the Christian faith, Son, is that it liberates us both from, from thinking we're so great um, and just focusing on Jesus, but it also liberates us from, from just thinking, oh, man, you know, God could never forgive me. I'm so terrible. Because it's a, it's a mental thing. It, it, we've got to get out of this mindset of focusing on I, what I bring, or, or you know, God could never love me, or, boy, God must really love me because I'm better than anybody else. So it comes down to pride, the lies of Satan, um, and no wonder the Bible says fix your thoughts on Jesus, because let's face it, son, in many ways, all of us are just a big hot mess. I mean, you know, we all have got issues. We all have got tendencies that are going to point us away from God. We've all got things that are going to trip us up. Um, you know, Jesus is our only hope, you know. So I would just say to that person listening, if you just feel so unworthy, um, I would say this, my friend, Satan hates you. He wants you to obsess on your unworthiness. But if you'll reach out to Jesus, you'll find something far better than self-confidence that will begin to fill your soul. It will be Christ's confidence. It'll be the power of the Holy Spirit. There, and sometimes people mistake that for like personal arrogance when they see a Christian who's very confident. Um, I mean, sometimes there's maybe that going on, but other times, you know, some Christians, they're just so confident because of, of Christ who's in them. And, and maybe they haven't learned how to maybe temper that a little bit in, in terms of how they deal, approach people or whatever. Um, but, but you can have tremendous personal confidence and not, not think that you're a great person at all. Uh, you can have tremendous personal confidence in Christ. And this is what Paul had. You know, this is what the Holy Spirit brings. And this, my friend, is how you can become free of that obsessive, you know, just self, you know, defeating voices that you keep repeating over and over about yourself. Um, Satan loves it because he's using that to try to keep you down. Just like he's using the other thing to keep the, the proud person, you know, away from, from the Lord. He's trying to use this to keep you down. And, and so just, just talk to the Lord about it. And, and just, uh, just like you can, you can swap your focus on, on self to Christ. You, you know, that's kind of what, what faith is. You swap your focus from works to, 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 to the cross. 
you 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 stop trusting in the in, in your works to save you in religion in your own fig leaves and and you trust in Christ and, and so as you said Simon it, it's not just about you know maybe somebody coming forward to an altar call or something like this or or praying the sinner's prayer I mean those are all fine and, and, and well but it's ultimately about switching your focus I mean Jesus said you're saved by grace through faith and, and so that that's a that's a a different uh, focus of, of where we're trusting. And, and the Lord will help us in the Holy Spirit. Even now, he's working to help us even, uh, you know, through this podcast, you know, to help people um, to place their trust in him. Yeah, it's beautifully said, Dan, that we need to remember that nothing is more powerful in this world than the blood of Jesus. And that can overcome yeah. anything and everything. Uh, Dan, we thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate you coming on and joining us and sharing your thoughts on things and uh, bringing things into perspective with that sanctified reason. And uh, we look forward to uh, many conversations ahead, God willing. Yeah. Um, yeah. If somebody does want to reach out, you know, and, and maybe find out more or talk to you, or maybe they're seeking and they just need to yeah. to reach out, how can they, you know, initially reach out to you? Well, it, it, they, they could, um, you know, they, they could listen to some of my messages on our uh, church Facebook page, if they just uh, were, were to search for Redeemer in Papillion, Nebraska, P-A-P-I-L-L-I-O-N, um, or they could uh, email me, of course, at dandelzell at cox.net, D-A-N-D-E-L-Z-E-L-L at cox.net. And um, so, yeah, anyone could feel free to do that, and I'd love to, love to, uh, to interact with uh, anyone who might want to talk about some of these things a little bit further. And you can uh, find me on Instagram at Edom Rocks, E-I-D-E-M-R-O-C-K-S. And you can, uh, you know, follow me there. I'll follow you back. You can uh, DM me with a message there and um, and we can help you out. Or if you just want to share your thoughts about the show or just say hi or whatever, need a friend, uh, you know, definitely reach out and, and, uh, and we're there for you. Uh, again, Dan, thanks so much. We appreciate it. We look forward to the next time. And for those of you listening, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend. And until next time, God bless.